0: What's going on, podcast listeners? Once again, back off of a short hiatus. It's your man T. Brown with another edition of Ride Home Sports Talk. Quite a bit has happened over the last week. I took a little vacation from the podcast. My apologies in advance. Um, Y'all probably missed me. Y'all probably most likely did not. Whatever. Uh, But we're back. Quite a bit of developments have happened in the NFL sports world. Uh, Many things minor. One big major thing that I wanted to get into this afternoon. Uh, Let's just jump right into that major thing. Andrew Luck said, peace out. Andrew Luck, franchise quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts, just came straight out with it and said, you know what? After years and years of injury, pain, rehab, injury, pain, rehab of a cycle, I can't offer any more to my team, so therefore I think it's best for me, my family, and my sanity to retire from the game I love. As many people have weighed in on this, as many sports athletes around many Multiple sports have weighed in on this. It's now my turn to say and practically agree with many of them when I say, Andrew Luck, thank you for your service, brother. Um, I can't imagine what it would be like to constantly go through a process where you are injured and in a great deal of pain and undergoing a great deal of rehab and therapy at the same time. And you're not seemingly getting any better. The circumstances surrounding your injuries aren't getting any better. And if you really, really want to enjoy your quality of life, uh, it cannot involve the game of football and the game that you love. Uh, That's a difficult decision to make, considering all of the hard work that goes into any athlete trying to make it to the pinnacle of their sport that they love so much, a sport that they've all played since they were children, a sport that they have made many sacrifices for, as well as family members who have supported them along the way have made sacrifices for. You don't want to see that guy walk away from the sport with still mentally plenty left to do, but physically his body can't take it. It's a tough deal. I wouldn't be able to imagine how tough of a deal that is. But uh, kudos to him because a lot of athletes in some cases just milk their teams. And they know that that's the situation underneath. They're not going to give the game any more than what they got. And it's not by choice. It's what their body's telling them. So at least Andrew Luck came straight out with it and said, I can't do this anymore. He gave it an effort. He tried. Uh, but he I'm sure he wanted to come back and play in his heart. But at the end of the day, he wasn't going to be able to do it. And he had to make the difficult decision of retiring from the NFL. And so uh, that leaves the Colts in a circumstance where they have to look elsewhere for their quarterback situation. They don't have to look too far. They're going to totally put the football in the hands of Jacoby Brissett, who was able to pick up quite a deal of knowledge, insight, and information as a New England Patriot when Tom Brady was in and out of his situation, when Tom Brady was serving a suspension for allegedly being part of a deflate gate controversy, Jacoby Brissett stepped in as a New England Patriot and they managed to win a few games with him at quarterback. So Jacoby Brissett has been, you know, offered the opportunity to back up Andrew Luck. And now his chance might be arriving where he will be the the guy leading the Colts onto the field in this upcoming season. Does that make Jacoby Brissett kind of uh, a guy you can or can't rely on to try to get it done for this team? That, That remains to be seen. He... Has been able to manufacture points. He's got plenty of weapons around him to get it done. Uh, The Colts uh, are going into uncharted water with him. But unless they are immediately looking for some depth or immediately looking for some experience right off the bat, I think they're going to have to go ahead and trust Jacoby to get this done for them. So good luck with Jacoby Reset. Good luck, Andrew Luck, in retirement. Um... A very emotional, a very difficult decision for any athlete to have to come to terms with. Uh, but, hey, he made the right choice. Uh, he was a stand-up guy, a very good class act. I wish we got to see more football from him uh, towards the end of his career. But, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll be one of the greats uh, as a Colt. Uh, just couldn't, just couldn't get them over the hump just couldn't get that playoff uh, staying power in terms of wins and points you know that 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 come that comfort behind loss of the, the they, they had they had the, the Chiefs down and the Kansas City Chiefs managed to come back in them against them on the road in the playoffs that may still leave a sour taste in the mouth of most Indianapolis Colts fans. Any players still currently on the roster that experience that, they're still looking to erase that, and they're going to have to do that without Andrew Luck. Uh, but he moved on. You know, we're going to go back to Antonio Brown again. And and when we last left you guys, um, Antonio Brown was having issues with his helmet. Uh, he didn't quite like the the new design of the helmets uh, by Shutt. I believe Riddell was the pre- previous a helmet supplier for the NFL, and so the NFL has decided to move on from their agreement with Riddell and go towards a helmet that is more impact resistant, I guess, or safer against concussions, or higher rated to be safer against concussions, and Shutt just seemed to make the helmet to do that, so I guess Shutt is making all of the helmets for the NFL this year. And Antonio Brown uh, wasn't quite down with that. Um, Antonio Brown has filed at least two grievances with the NFL and uh, alongside the NFL Players Association has filed a grievance uh, against the NFL for this helmet thing. They have, I believe it's two grievances, and they have both been shot down. Uh, One was for him to keep his old helmet. The second grievance was for him to at least, you know, give it, give me a year until I have to put on the new one, and both got shot down. So Antonio Brown, hey, look, it's time to pay up or or, or do what Andrew Luck did and just walk away from the daggone game, dude, because maybe, just maybe, this is just the way the NFL has elected to go because they're tired of being liable for the concussions that many of their players, past and present and former, are experiencing and they've already paid off quite a billion dollars in settlement money to these NFL players and their families because of the concussion protocol and the concussion studies and the CTE studies that have been underway and taking place. And all of these players are all of a sudden going through it. They have, they're, they're sacrificed and dedicated their time, energy and bodies for our entertainment uh, and, and now the ugly side of what they've been going through is starting to come to the forefront. And it's it's very sad to see these former legends suffer so immensely from the game that they love so much. But it's just one of those things, you know, when you, you put yourself on the front lines and what you're essentially doing is, as they've stated time and time again, Uh, A collision between NFL players is like getting into a car accident multiple times in at least just one game, let alone multiple games in a 16-game season, let alone multiple seasons. If you seek to have a career with meaning and longevity, you're practically putting your body through a car accident more than eight times in a game. I can't even imagine the severity of injury and strain and pain these NFL players go through. But something had to be done and something has to be done. And, you know, these guys are looking out for themselves in all sorts of different ways. Who are we to calculate that? Antonio Brown, they're just trying to help you with a helmet. I don't know. What the new helmet may be In your opinion But it's the new one They're trying to do something about it Um, Give it a shot And that's really all we can expect you to do And then we'll go from there But hey It's very very important to keep The brain Of an NFL player As safely intact as possible When you walk away from the game all you got left is you. And we don't even really know the true story about what our Hall of Fame players, our favorite players, have currently gone through just this morning to get out of bed, let alone into their older golden years, what they will be faced with. So it's not me to judge. I would just like to, I'm just that type of guy that's all for the longevity and preservation of any human being, I love the game of football, but you know we're getting to a point where they're taking away certain things, and it may not be any more entertaining to watch because of the safety, because of what we're doing to the game, because of the refereeing. Like there's so many things that make this game, you know, a little less watchable every season, and uh, this certainly does this. Current situation uh, certainly, certainly doesn't help the Colts stay on TV. I know that, but hey, shout out to Andrew Luck for making the decision not milking his franchise for money, thinking that he will be able to at some point return to the form upon which they have drafted him with. And uh, I guess that's the end of that. Uh, preseason has been still going underway. Can't wait for this preseason to be over, man. Like we're already we're already having drastic issues with making sure that we've got the players we'd like to have available, available, but bam, another 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 good player who a team really couldn't afford to lose lost. Lamar Miller for the Texans, running back for the Texans, Houston Texans Lamar Miller, suffered a horrific ACL injury. He's gone for the year in that game they had against the Dallas Cowboys where they lost uh, 34 to nothing I think uh once they lost Lamar Miller that took all of the air out of the Texans they just wanted to get off the field injury free for anybody else as soon as possible um, but thoughts and prayers for Lamar Miller like he was he's always been a very good back he's always been able to produce and with the Texans he's able to he was able to produce mostly every single year he's played for them but the reality is when you suffer an injury like that, uh you're automatically done for the year. And all they can really hope for is a speedy recovery uh in time for him to return next year. It just seems to be one of those deals. You know, I think it's something about Houston's turf. Because the same thing happened to Devonte Foreman, that turf injured uh Julian Edelman and not Julian Edelman, I'm sorry. Wes Welker once upon a great blue moon, Wes Welker tore his ACL in that field. And now it looks like Lamar Miller was another is another victim of the Houston AstroTurf ACL syndrome that seems to be going on at that place. I don't know what it is, man. It, it makes me weary to, to draft DeAndre Hopkins or any Texans when it just seems to be the thing that happens. I don't think uh, Deshaun Watson suffered one at that stadium, but he did suffer an ACL injury that ended his season not too long ago uh but it's just it's just the price of the game sometimes you know it, it goes that way um and speedy recovery to Lamar Miller uh for the most part it's been very very low key on the other injuries that's probably the only major one that we've seen Cam Newton I'm sorry Cam Newton was injured Uh, in in week two preseason uh, scored off the field Uh, his foot is giving him problems so that's going to not exactly spell great things for the for the Panthers going into the next few weeks hopefully that injury is not too serious the last diagnosis uh, I'm not exactly accurate or up to date on but um, Cam Newton franchise quarterback for the Carolina Panthers Uh, may or may not be ready for week one or may or may not be 100% for week one. We're going to just have to just wait and see how this unfolds. But, you know, getting back to the Andrew Luck thing, uh, one thing that really, really stuck out for me was how his fans reacted to hearing the news. There was, you know... You can you can ask any multitude of opinions you'd like to, if that's your franchise quarterback, and you kind of have a sense that that's what he might do. Um, let him make that announcement on his terms, not because uh, of a leak. You know, I, I'm not really 100% sure, 100% sure, excuse me, if this was the plan from the forefront for Andrew Luck, you know, maybe he was just trying to he was just trying to get a sense of where his body was, but because somebody had to be all in the man's business and somebody had to just go right on their head and say what was going to happen, what ended up happening was the fans found out about the retirement while the preseason game with the Bears was taking place. And they practically booed Andrew Luck off the field. Like, really? What did he do to deserve that? You know, like, yeah, maybe a whole bunch of fantasy teams went ahead and drafted Andrew Luck. A bunch of fantasy owners drafted Andrew Luck. Okay, boo-hoo. You drafted Luck. Hopefully you were smart enough to draft a replacement. Uh, But this just goes to show, like, hey, this is why in my league... We do not draft until all of the preseason games are over. So whatever date works about best for my guys, we don't draft until all of those preseason games are over, until all of these guys do their, all of these rosters are set, until it's all set in stone, until the next time these guys take the field, it's for real, we don't draft. So for everybody that's in a rush, to see what your fantasy team will look like. How does your fantasy team look with Andrew Luck on it now? Oh, goofy butts. Wait until the season's over. Don't be drafting week three of the preseason. This Thursday, all of the preseason games left on the slate will be played. You can have your drafts after that, or at least you should. Make a note for yourself, fantasy owners, fantasy league commissioners moving forward. How about we draft our guys after all of the preseason games have taken place? Because you might unfortunately lose quite a bit of players maybe this last week. It's just how this thing goes. Who's going to be available? You still got contract situations with Ezekiel Elliott and Melvin Gordon III that haven't been ironed out. So wouldn't you? wouldn't it bode well for you to wait? at least the absolute last minute to see if you can secure the players you might like to have on your fantasy team, maybe? Just a thought. Moving forward. Just my two cents on that. Best thing to do? Let it all play out. Because you never know who's going to trip, fall, sneeze, go into the sideline the wrong way, and the next thing you know, you're losing a very valuable, critical player early in the year. You didn't even know about it. I remember last year, Derek McKinnon for the 49ers blew his ACL out in practice a couple of days before our draft and he was drafted anyway on auto draft. Nobody knew that. So it's just one of those things you got to be mindful of, you got to watch out for because you never know what will happen between the last preseason game and week one of the NFL season. Um, in other news with sports, um, I was mentioning in a few podcasts previously how if we don't send our best NBA players to FIBA, eventually one of these international squads is going to take the USA down. It faithfully finally happened. The USA lost a close game to Australia. Let's be mindful of who Australia got. They at least have Patty Mills and Della Dova, two tough players. Um, They didn't have Ben Simmons' services, which they probably should have, but that's another show altogether. But ultimately, Australia beat the USA, and the USA's 78-game winning streak in international play was snapped. Hey, look, man. These countries send their best players. These countries also send their best players from the NBA, so when these players who have played for many many seasons with their with their local with their home country comrades, they know the game with these guys they know how to play on the same team it's their own country's all star team if we don't do the same, there's a good chance we can be beaten and it happened, so I'm not saying donovan Mitchell. And Timba Walker and many of the other players that we are sending aren't good enough to beat any of these other international teams. But as you clearly saw, they're not good enough to stay undefeated. So I'm not sure who they play next, but it's going to start getting serious in the next round robin of games for this FIBA tournament. And, hey, it's the warm up before the Olympics in international play. I get that. You know, next next summer. I believe the, the Olympics is in Tokyo, so maybe this loss was needed before we really got our butts kicked like the way we did in Athens and Sydney a few Olympics back, and uh, we lost badly, badly to our to the international players. I think Spain beat us. I think Argentina took the gold for Ginobili. To see Ginobili celebrate beating us really drove me up the wall because I can't stand Ginobili anyway. It's one of those I can't stand Duke kind of I can't stand Ginobili's circumstances. Like, I like Duke. I just like to see Duke lose because there's such a powerhouse in basketball. I like Coach K, Mike Krzyzewski, but I just like seeing an underdog team beat a major powerhouse in college basketball, which I can't wait for, by the way, because I got a friend of mine whose son plays for the University of New Hampshire. I'm a very, I'm, I'm very, very excited to see that small school potentially get some recognition and be on TV. I can't wait to see my buddy's son. Shout out, Meekness Payne, to the Wildcats of North... The Wildcats of New Hampshire, University of New Hampshire. Go get them, guys. Go get them, guys. But uh, I digress. College basketball is one of those sports where I like to see the powerhouses lose. I like to see the North Carolinas and the Dukes and the Kansas teams and all those teams, you know, that you know are just pinnacles of college basketball, Kentucky. i like to see the George Masons and the VCUs and the, the, the Wichita States come out of nowhere and upset these giants of college basketball. Um, it's no different anywhere else. i like to see these small schools who don't get no love, who don't got the money, Take down a team because at the end of the day, it's still just lines on the field and your best against somebody else's best, and let's see who shows up and who don't. Let's see if y'all sleep on us or we're prepared to beat you. One or the other is going to happen. That's all for today's show. We talked about quite a bit. I'm back this week, though. It was Tuesday, August 27th. And uh, we're going to get some more podcasts going this week. But I just want to get the week started on a good note. Get y'all caught up on where I'm at and everything. Uh, Tomorrow we'll do some more NFL news. Tomorrow we will dive in closely. And uh, I guess um, that's going to do it for today's show as I back into my driveway. Tune in tomorrow. Y'all take care. Stay cool. I'll holler at y'all later. This has been Ride Home Sports Talk with your man T. Brown. I'm out. Take care. What's the deal? What's the deal, podcast listeners out there across the world and United States? What's going on? It's your man T. Brown with yet another podcast edition of Ride Home Sports Talk. We're going to get into some baseball today. I haven't done a baseball show. I owe all my diehard friends that are diehard baseball fans uh, or the baseball populace in general a show. I talk a lot about the NBA. I talk a lot about the NFL. I don't ever really get to sit down at the table with the greatest of baseball minds on a regular basis. But today's show, we're going to focus in on baseball. It's that point in the season, I promised y'all, that I would begin to dive into what these baseball teams across the National League, across the American League are up to. Um, I'm partial to my hometown D-backs. I'd like to see them do well, and currently they're doing a lot better than I expected. Uh, but I'm, little by little, have become a diehard Yankees fan. I'm sorry. I know that will upset the populace around the globe, but Uh, I'm just a big fan of Derek Jeter. I'm a big fan of Reggie Jackson. I'm a big fan of about five Yankees all across uh, the history of that team. And so uh, I've never really went ahead and publicly announced that that's one of my favorite teams. But I will take the opportunity right now and do just that. I will always appreciate great baseball anywhere it is played. Um, But I'm just... If it comes down to it in terms of the Yankees and the Red Sox, I just have much more of an allegiance to the Yankees in that situation just because of the history of that team and because of the players that have come through there. I'm a big fan of Sandman, a big fan of Derek Jeter, as mentioned before. I love Jorge Posada, enjoyed Scott Brocious, loved Godzilla, loved Bernie Williams, loved players that played on the Yankees. I think the only time... I rooted against the Yankees was when the Diamondbacks played them in the World Series. That's the only time I found myself wanting another team besides the New York Yankees to win a World Series. Any other time, it's Yankees for that next World Series, and I don't care how many they win. My favorite one is the next one they win. But just to lightly touch on the scope of where the the Major League Baseball is right now, it's quite a bit of competition going on in multiple divisions. Uh, Starting off with the AL East, where the Yankees reside, the next best team is about nine and a half games past the Yankees. If the Yankees maintain that, they're more than likely going to win that division, but here's the thing with the Yankees. I'm not hearing uh, the finest of baseball minds sing about their pitching. I think, you know, when you get into this point in the season, you obviously want to be running on all cylinders, but if you could only choose one cylinder to be running on full, your pitching is your team's defense, in my mind. They say defense wins championships, I say pitching wins World Series. And the way that's been going, obviously runs, there's another story, but if you are managing to keep but if it's been over a century since the Cubs won it and the Cubs to see Cub fans who have been there, you know, who have stuck by their team since day one to see the much older Cub fans enjoy that championship around the world, around the Chicago area was really, really cool, really cool sports moment. If I can recall that. Um, But if you had to ask me who's, really, really putting the stranglehold and the AL all together, it would appear to be the Astros. As mentioned in a previous podcast before this one, the The Arizona Diamondbacks dealt their ace pitcher, Grinky, Zach Grinky, to the Astros for considerable cash considerations and multiple prospects had had in their farm system. I don't even know if you guys are immediately making impacts, but I do know this. Zach Grinky will be around late in the season, to help the Astros get back to where they want to be. And that's the World Stranger things have occurred, more impressive things have been talked about, uh, so that's the baseball part of the show, I just kind of s- scratched the surface, I'm not an analyst on baseball, I just am a sports fanatic who likes to dabble in and get excited when a team's postseason, when a major professional sports season's postseason might begin, I sort of take a glance and look into that and Look at all the teams involved and trying to make a run at the title. Because that just makes for good sports. It makes for very impressive sports. Is there anything impressive going on on the NFL field? Uh, Usually I'd say no. But apparently Antonio Brown is back on the field for the Raiders. New helmet and all. Quote, unquote, Circumcised feet, as he described it. I'm not even sure there's any new footage of his feet per the healing process he's tried to put them through, but AB is on the field for the Raiders. He's not handing in his retirement papers after all if he couldn't get the helmet he wanted. At the end of the day, it's just much more important of a business decision on his part to be on the field. You know, I don't you know. What's happening, podcast listeners? It's your man, T. Brown, back again with another edition of Ride Home Sports Talk. It's Friday, a gloriously, once again, hot Friday out here in Phoenix, Arizona, August 16th, and I'm going to bring you up to speed a little bit on the sports world. Um, I'm about, I got an NBA discussion I want to talk about, I got a little bit of NFL I want to talk about. I'm gonna start it off with the NBA. I'm gonna start it off with the NBA. Uh, It's it's, it's, the schedules come out. We all we all know who's playing on Christmas. Uh, The highlight of that day will be the Lakers and Clippers, or excuse me, Clippers versus the Lakers. They're gonna call that a Laker home game, Uh, but it will be the Battle of LA Christmas Day for all of us to enjoy uh, while we spend time with our families and enjoy the holidays. Thanks for tuning in with me. uh, By the way. In other news in the NBA, uh, in the offseason, DeMarcus Cousins managed to lock in a one-year deal with the Lakers after just temporarily locking in a one-year deal previous season with the Warriors. I'm not exactly sure why he would leave Golden State uh, for a favorable pasture like L.A., but I guess he sees the potential to not only play with LeBron— but to play with a former teammate in Anthony Davis. Well, the basketball gods apparently had other plans because DeMarcus Cousins uh, more than likely tore his ACL working out in Las Vegas, and it looks like he will not be available at all and very unlikely to play for the 2019-2020 season going into it. What in the world is DeMarcus Cousins doing behind the scenes that's causing the basketball gods to just say, look, dog, you need to fall back and do something different this time around. I don't really know the guy's history. I hear stories of him being an unfavorably spoiled teenage star growing up, Uh, And he's always had an attitude problem with the media, with his coaches, not exactly with teammates, but for all I know, teammates, too. Uh, What's DeMarcus Cousins' deal at the end of the day? Like, why are you not living right so that you could be on on the court for your team? What are you doing that is causing you to tear an Achilles? What are you doing? that's causing you to tear a quadricep muscle in the finals when you finally achieve that high expectation of arriving at the pinnacle of the the basketball world and you tear your Achilles. You have had three major injuries now as you try to recover somewhat of your career. Why did it not work for you in Sacramento? What did your coaches and your teammates in Sacramento do to make you unhappy there He's always seemed like an unhappy basketball player with all the talent and potential in the world. He played for Kentucky in, in, in college. He's practically had a favorable career placement but for some strange reason this isn't translating into a successful basketball career and this man might need to ask himself why. This might require a little bit of soul searching. This may require a little bit of 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 a extended look in the mirror at who I am if I'm DeMarcus Cousins. Because in my book and and from my perspective, it seems like the basketball gods are showing a heavy amount of unfavor on this guy. I would like to feel sorry for him, but I've heard enough stories and I've heard enough about DeMarcus Cousins just as a person and, and and a basketball player to just be like, look, dude, these are the cards you are dealt for some reason. And I'm not exactly sure why this is the hand you've been dealt, but maybe you need to figure out why this is the hand you've been dealt. Because this isn't the hand that's dealt to everybody, but why is this hand apparently being dealt to you? What are you doing wrong? How are you living behind the scenes? Who are you as a person? Because... This kind of thing doesn't just happen to people who are who are who are living right, is my point. Maybe you ain't living quite right, sir. And maybe you might want to look into what the heck you could do to flip this around. I, I mean, as any other human being on this planet, when they experience a serious injury, I would wish you a, a speedy recovery. But as you recover, you probably need to change a few things in your mindset. And in your life, maybe, because it doesn't seem to be working out for you. And that's just my fair opinion on one DeMarcus Cousins. I've seen a player, you know, I've seen him look great as a player, as a teammate. He has displayed strength. He has displayed a a Kevin Garnett-esque attitude on many occasions that I've seen on the court. But off the court, I'm not watching this guy, and I don't know what he's doing. But three... Seriously catastrophic injuries that are detrimental to an NBA player's career requires a little soul-searching. It requires a look in the mirror, in my opinion. What are you doing? What are you not doing that you should be doing or that you should not be doing? Because those are the questions you need to ask yourself so that you can get on the right road, my friend. But until then, speedy recovery. Uh, I'd like to see that team complete if I'm a Lakers fan, but I won't be able to really gauge it if not everybody is there and not everybody's bought in. And, you know, this goes back to the All-Star weekend, a certain one. I can't remember what year, but it was the year DeMarcus Cousins was a Pelican. And he goes out to catastrophic injury then. I think this was the first big injury. And he was sidelined for an extended amount of time. And to show support for his teammate, Anthony Davis, put the jersey on, put his jersey on, wore his jersey after he was finally selected to an All-Star as an All-Star player. Finally selected as an NBA All-Star player, he he has a catastrophic injury, and Anthony Davis shows support for his teammate by wearing his jersey there at All-Star game. And then he turns around and leaves for, for the Warriors. Wow, that wasn't a nice move. That wasn't really cool to do. You had the most high-profile player of your franchise support you. He had your back. Now, it's all business at the end of the day. I get it, but it's not all business to the basketball gods, who I firmly believe in. And I just don't really see how these guys can ignore the fact that if you take away the money, take away the fame you take away the women you are still an athlete and you still got to play the game the right way you have to take advantage of every opportunity and you have to be grateful and thankful for what has been given to you it's not my place to say that he has not but it makes one wonder what have you been up to in the subsequent four years Behind the scenes, what is your attitude like at the end of the day that has caused this to happen to you for the past four years? Maybe it's wear and tear on your body. Maybe it's a whole lot of basketball you've played over the course of your life and now those injuries are starting to surface. Or maybe it's something else. I can't pinpoint it, but if I'm DeMarcus Cousins, maybe I should start pinpointing what's going on. Because I want to play basketball. I want to make a living. This is what I do. And if I can't make the maximum amount of money and be on the court, I need to ask myself why. Uh, To transition to the NFL, uh, preseason's been underway for at least two weeks. Uh, Last night, we had the Cardinals and the Raiders battle it out in preseason. Uh, Look, the Cardinals don't really strike any fear if I'm the opposition in my opinion right now. They don't even look good on paper. Let's just say that. On paper, they just aren't a complete NFL football team. There's missing pieces. I've spoken before about how they should have addressed their offensive line and it looks like that's the first problem you notice on this team. There's just not enough Key pieces on that offensive line for Kyler Murray to be comfortable enough to diagnose what defenses are trying to do to stop him. And he may be running for his life for the first few games and trying to save off injury, is what he may be ultimately reduced to once the Cardinals find that point in the schedule. Well, well, when wins might not be coming at all. The Cardinals' schedule is considerably favorable for the first half of the season. But when you get into the second half of the season, I can see about seven to eight games. The Cardinals do not have a shot at winning with this offensive line, with this defense, with this game plan. Plenty of people... Are excited here in the Valley of the Sun to see what Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray can do on the field, and and maybe just maybe I'm being blinded by the by the inconsistencies of a preseason. But let me be very clear here: I don't see a team in the first team lineup roster that can stop any team on defense in the NFL. I'm going to say that again. The first team on the field that is that should be projected to be there for the Arizona Cardinals is not good enough to make any defense feel worried. That doesn't, it doesn't matter what happens in preseason. In last night's game against the Raiders, Kyler Murray was called for two false starts because he clapped his hands like he similarly did at Oklahoma. And it was a strange scenario in terms of the referees because I don't understand what movements are allowed and not allowed at the snap count that could entice the defense to jump or to be drawn off sides. I don't really see how some movements are allowed and some movements are not allowed. But apparently, this was not discussed with the coaching staff and with Kyler Murray. And they had an idea of what they thought they could do. And Kyler Murray practically had to be retrained on what exactly to do at the snap to not cause any further problems. Look here. First and foremost, it's preseason. This is where we find our our weaknesses and try to strengthen them. So it's understandable, as a rookie, as a rookie head coach, as a whole new staff, to not be on the same page with many things going into the season. And this is why preseason exists, so that these small little things can get corrected before the big dance begins. So if that's one of those things, they need to work on correcting, as well as many others. But I don't see Kyler Murray Initially, being a threat right off the bat like he's very fast he throws a good football this is what we know but can he diagnose a very talented NFL defense fast enough to move the ball down the field we're gonna have to wait for week one to get that question answered because uh, they've, they've got a team in the Lions who isn't incredibly difficult to score on But yet they're an NFL defense that Kyler Murray has not seen yet. And they may be able to frazzle him and show him a a, a level of speed he was not aware of in preseason. So he's seeing the game speed little by little. But the real story is until the regular season starts. But in my opinion, the Cardinals didn't look good before preseason to me. And those suspicions are confirmed now. Their offensive line doesn't look like they're going to do much for David Johnson. When David Johnson was in, the second and the third team had no problem getting to him and stopping him for, for loss of yards or reducing him to minimal yardage. Like The offensive line is very, very key for David Johnson to thrive. And I just don't see enough as of today to prove to me that David Johnson's worth even drafting in fantasy. I would want to watch that play out. The Cardinals are going to be faced. Look, they faced, they have the 49ers twice. They have the Rams twice. They have the Seahawks twice. Those six games right there are against defenses that are going to be difficult to run the football on if you don't have a good offensive line. Those three teams have very good front force very good front force there's one yet to emerge in Seattle we know the Rams who they're bringing to the show one Aaron Donald is going to try and come right after Kyler Murray with not a problem and if there isn't an offensive line that has a scheme for Aaron Donald Aaron Donald's coming after your quarterback and there is no one that's going to stop him let's be clear on that and heaven forbid somehow some way the Rams get their hands on Davion Clowney which is not a far-fetched possibility because Davion Clowney as mentioned before in a previous podcast is up for trade is up to be traded He's, they're willing, Houston is willing to deal that man and I'm sure if they deal him to a contender with plenty of stock plenty of capital to give up for them they're just looking for the right price to get something of value that they find in exchange for Jadavion Clowney. I don't really think at all Jadavion Clowney is going to stick around and be a Texan. He's going to get moved to that team that wants a formidable defensive lineman who that's exactly who he is. And so he's going to be he's going to change the scope for a a team overnight as soon as that trade takes place. And according to NFL Insiders, NFL.com and many, many league sources, That trade is imminent. All we need to do is sit around and wait on it. It's not a question of when, it's a question of if. Or no, excuse me, not a question of if, a question of when. He's going to get traded. And to who was my guess, but it will be interesting to see the team that that ponies up for Jadavion Clowney. But the Cardinals have plenty to worry about. He'd be great here because the Cardinals, according to what I saw last night, looked absolutely atrocious on defense. Like, their defense didn't stop anybody. They didn't really get any tackles. Their offense is still a work in progress, but their defense looks like absolute crap. And I know it's two games in the preseason, but my goodness, fellas, y'all got a lot to work on. With only three weeks left till the, till the regular season, you have a lot to work on. And a lot of them were players who have been there before. It wasn't just guys trying to make the team. These are guys who are coming off of an offseason who should be playing considerably well. And you know you're not going to have Patrick Peterson's services for at least six games because of his silly PED suspension that he was handed, handed out. So you know you don't need to step up in terms of trying to stop wide receivers and stop the ball from being ran for stop the ground game, stop the air game. You didn't do any anywhere near close to that for the Raiders against the Raiders last night. So back to the drawing board immediately for the Cardinals because they have a lot of work to do all across the board and I'm just I'm just not seeing them being any better than what I'm looking at now. And I know it's just not that preseason thing talking. I'm just not impressed with them on paper. And I'm hoping that I'm wrong about it because I want to see that team do well, local hometown team do well. But let's face facts. On paper, the offense, it can't beat anybody. It can't beat anybody right now. You're going to have to show and prove on that one. In other NFL news, uh, the Chargers might lose safety Derwin James for a considerable amount of time. These guys are getting hurt in practice. These guys are getting hurt, you know, warming up like... What's the deal? Like, where is the durability in in these players anymore? Uh, it's very, very unfortunate for the Chargers and uh, the defense that they want to put on the field. They were projected to be a top-five defense. But with Derwin James being recently diagnosed with a fracture in his foot, and he will be missing significant time, according to coaching staff for the Los Angeles Chargers, I'm not sure exactly who they're going to tap on the shoulder to step up for that guy because Derwin James is serious. That is a serious defensive player. Earned his all-pro. Earned his high honors. Earned his high top ranking as the NFL top 100 of 2019. But I don't know who you're going to tap to get his numbers and to get his production and get his ability to shut down somebody. But If the Chargers are tasked with the next man up, just like anybody else, if there is a a player on that team, they'll have to find him or they'll have to find him anywhere they can get him because Derwin James will not be available for at least week one and possibly the first month of the NFL season for the Chargers. So that's going to be a tough one for them. Uh, Jets linebacker Avery Williamson very unfortunate he tore his ACL and he will be missing the 2019 season another unfortunate injury in preseason like it it, it makes you cringe when you, you you hear about these things like these, these, these teams are, are building a roster with all of the promise imaginable and a lot of teams just can't seem to make it out of August without dealing with a major injury and that changing the scope of how you practice and changing the scope of who you want on the field for your preseason games. Look, it's just, you know, it's like you, you walk on thin ice for four weeks and then you expect to hit the ground running week one. It's very difficult to do. And just the NFL is just one of those leagues where you just, you find the injury report to be a long one when you add up all the teams and all the guys that go out missing a week here two weeks here or even longer and it just kind of changes the scope of what your team can do and it's very unfortunate this guy was a veteran for the jets uh looking forward to coming back and contributing for his team but he's on the road to recovery already and uh godspeed to that recovery avery williamson get back on the field asap for your team and uh do your part to help that defense shut down tom brady and the rest of of the AFC East. Uh, the NFL reaches its halfway point in preseason games. It's going to be an interesting game coming on tonight. Looks like the Bears and the Giants will be taking on each other. It's not probably not going to be much Saquon Barkley. Not going to be much uh, Khalil Mack. But I believe there is a running back that I will be looking forward to watching. And I guess Chicago Bears recently drafted rookie out of Iowa State, David Montgomery. Um... This kid was a very good back at Iowa State. Uh, Very good numbers, very productive, strong, strong back, uh, and and is able to possibly give them a little bit more of a punch in the Jordan Howard uh, category that they didn't quite get out of Jordan Howard. You know, this, this team, you know, has a dimension In Tariq Cohen, where you've got an exceptionally fast running back that can do multiple things, who can catch out of the backfield and catch and is very fast and doesn't really take contact too well, but in an open field, he is a joystick, a human joystick. The new Dante Hall human joystick might be Tariq Cohen. And the Bears have him, he has an exceptionally impressive playbook behind him. Bears also have, if I'm not mistaken, Mike Davis, big back who used to play for the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, They've got a nice ground game in addition to some pretty good receivers and an up-and-coming Mitchell Trubisky. So the Bears are trying to build something unique. Uh, those nuances will be on display tonight in small variations, obviously. But those guys are just looking to make the team. I'm looking... When football's on TV, I can always watch it until it becomes unwatchable, until it becomes like they're just out there going through the motions, uh, not really contributing. They're just trying to do enough to stay on the team and whatnot and make the roster and all of that. It's not serious football, but when it it gets to the gamesmanship spots of the preseason football game, it is interesting to watch to see a team still try to manufacture a two-minute warning, see these backups and these second- and third-string quarterbacks go two minutes and try to get their team down the field and put themselves in a position to score a late touchdown before the half or before the end of the game or at least get them in field goal range to kick a field goal to put extra points on the board or go ahead and win the game from there. But understanding those situations will be key for every single team. And so... I find it interesting to watch that kind of thing when the season's going. And it may turn out well. It may turn out to be a straight blunder. I was watching the Eagles and the Jaguars game last night, and I saw an opportunity for the Jaguars to put points on the board. They still just managed to do these five-yard slants so the ball can get out of bounds and then kicked a 36-yard field goal. And I'm like, you know, you had 10 seconds left prior to throwing that pass on third down why don't you take a shot at the end zone if you're on the if you're on the 15 yard line if you're on the 15 yard line with 10 seconds left and it's and it's and it's third down take a shot at the end zone see if you can get a big receiver wide open in the corner see if something opens up down low you if you don't have any timeouts then you go after the sideline and you play that game but take a shot at the end zone you never know what you're capable of it's just halftime at the end of the game then the situation could be a lot differently and you play it a lot differently from there but if you just know you're going into halftime take a shot at the end zone you never know what can happen and worse come to worse you it's an incomplete pass with four seconds left on the clock. Kick the field goal, take your three points going to halftime. You don't you think you're gonna have to coach these kinds of things, but I guess when you're trying to iron out all the differences and you're trying to see who you got backing up your starters or your second stringer, you need to know where these players' heads are and seeing if their head is in an unfavorable position in preseason only gives you the advantage of dropping that guy now. Because if you have to insert that dude into the game during the regular season as your starter at any point in the game, you have got to work on a lot of late-game scenarios just to make sure this guy gets it right. And if he gets it wrong in preseason, he's going to get it wrong at some point during the season. So let's, I guess, get rid of that liability now, if I'm the coach, thinking about those types of things. But who knows what will happen with the Jaguars Quarterback who pulled that off last night. Uh, he just managed to just sideline it, sideline it, and just try to manage the clock best he could. And it didn't turn out to be anything other than a, a a field goal that you kicked five yards closer because he hits the receiver on a little on a little slant, and the guy goes out of bounds with with six seconds left on the clock. They kicked the field goal anyway. Maybe they wanted the hash mark. Maybe they didn't. I don't know. But I'm taking a shot of the end zone. Maybe that's just the Madden in me. Is I never go for field. I never kick field goals in Madden. I I always go for two. I always go for the win. You know, it's win or go home. And that's pretty much it. So I would think that that adaptable attitude needs to cross over into reality. But sometimes it does not. So whatever. That's today's show, man. I mean, hey, it's 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 fairly we're getting there. We're getting there. We're little by little getting there. We're this is the midway point of week two in preseason. We're we're, we're finding ourselves uh, getting closer and closer to knowing who these rosters are going to be. To knowing who's going to be our starters, who's going to be named starters. We're getting there. We are definitely getting there, but we will take our time as planned. We will enjoy the preseason festivities until week one of the NFL begins. It's your man T. Brown with another edition of Ride Home Sports Talk. Thanks for joining in with me. Tomorrow we're going to take another look at baseball and see where baseball's been. I've only only touched the surface of baseball, but we're going to probably start getting into magic numbers pretty soon i mean a couple of these divisions look like they're runaways and as we get closer towards the end of august uh we're probably going to see those magic numbers start popping in early september maybe there's still one more month of baseball left so i might be jumping the gun on that but i don't know When i see teams up by 18 19 games i don't really see that team collapsing and losing 20 straight games or some other team in their division winning 20 straight games to come back and take it from them late. But stranger things have occurred. We'll never know. So thank y'all once again for tuning in. It's your man T. Brown. I'm out. On my way home to grill a steak, have some asparagus, knock back a blue moon, and enjoy my evening. You guys do the same. I'll holler at y'all tomorrow. Take care. Welcome back sports fans We have returned This is your man T. Brown And it is is back off of a nice long hiatus Yet another one Yes I took another vacation from the podcast But here we are back With quite a few things to talk about It's your man T. Brown With yet another edition of Ride Home Sports Talk It's Wednesday Or excuse me it is. I think it's Wednesday I don't even know what day it is Wednesday, September 4th Excuse me on the way home, hot as usual in Arizona. I'm looking at a buck 17 on my thermometer. It's a cooker. What else is new? But it's September, so there must be hope right around the corner for cooler temperatures, cooler mindsets. And dare I say it, yes, football is here. No silly preseason, no idiotic training camp talk, real football is going down in 24 hours, possibly 28. <laughs> Welcome back, y'all. Quite a bit has happened in the NFL news. So we'll just get to uh, the most latest activity going on. As we last left off, Andrew Luck handed his retirement papers in. He said, yo, i tired of the cycle of injury,
1: Rehab
0: pain, injury, rehab, pain, injury, rehab, pain. He didn't want to go through that no more. Enough's enough. Andrew Luck has moved on. And so the Colts have went ahead and locked in the backup, Jacoby Brissett, in to an extension. I believe two years, $30 million. They like what they have in Jacoby Brissett. So that team is prepared to make him right now their focal point at the quarterback position. You gotta do something in this case if you're indie. So rather than try to hit the market and try to excuse me, find someone that's going to serve you best, the best guy might be the guy that knows the playbook the best at this time. Seeing as how this decision was very, how do we say, out of absolutely nowhere. And there's no contingent plan B set up for Indy at quarterback other than Jacoby Brissett. So make sure Jacoby Brissett is taken care of, locked in under contract in case he just takes off to the races and you, and you have no general managing situation prepared to sign him long term. So Jacoby Brissett is moving on as the guy right now for the Colts. You know, they're going to give him two years, fill him out, see if he's what they need. Uh, they're going to be able to assess whether they go back to the market or look into the draft for the next great franchise quarterback. But for right now, resets their guy. Um, I believe we are on the verge of a Julio Jones signing this week. Wide receiver for the Atlanta Falcons, Julio Jones, uh, has been under the anticipation of a brand new deal. Uh, we know who this man is. Let's let's you know. Let's not get it confused. Let's not get our lines crossed here. Who we are talking about is one of the most men-amongst-boys-style wide receivers we've seen in a long time. The combination of of height, power, speed, uh, catch window, everything. Julio has got it. He's going to work into an offense that does not include uh, Steve Sarkeesian, the former offensive coordinator for the Atlanta Falcons. He has been ousted. And so another direction at offense has the Atlanta Falcons hopefully trending upward with Julio Jones in mind. Hopefully we're not waiting till week five to finally get Julio the ball. I think that was the silliest thing I saw all year, last year, was that Julio didn't find the end zone until the middle of the season. Not Inexcusable. Inexcusable. And that just shows you right there how bad that offense was designed behind Sarkeesian's thought process. Get him out of there. Enter somebody else, anybody else. And you got Julio Jones tearing it down as we know it, as we speak. So, there it is. But the biggest thing today that I've got to talk about, and if you can hear the excitement in my voice, you know it's coming. Back when I began my podcast, I started with the general theme of these wide, or excuse me, these running backs, these marquee running backs for their teams off to the races, Coming up on the end of their contracts. Who am I talking about? I was talking about Melvin Gordon III and Ezekiel Elliott. Right now, Melvin Gordon III has firmly planted his feet into a holdout. He's going to hold out. He is already talking about not starting week one. We've gotten to practically week one in terms of practice for every individual NFL team. And it looks like the Chargers have pushed negotiations back to the end of the season for Melvin Gordon III. Are we won't talk about a contract. We ain't going to talk about it until the season's over. Either you show up for work or not. That's the options on the table for Melvin Gordon. Uh, and he seems firmly planted in moving uh, along with this plan, holding out, withholding with his services to his team until we come to an agreement on a contract or you just go ahead and trade me to a team and I'll, and I'll take care of it from there. So Melvin's hunkered in. But who is not hunkered in? His counterpart, Ezekiel Elliott. Now, at the beginning of all of this, I had the firm impression that the Cowboys wasn't crazy. They're going to sign Zeke. Zeke's going to get his deal. And as of earliest, earliest parts of this morning, Ezekiel Elliott and the Dallas Cowboys have agreed on a six-year $90 million extension with $50 million of that $90 million guaranteed to Zeke. Hey, here's the difference between the two scenarios that we need to discuss so that no one's confused about this. Ezekiel Elliott is a critically important piece of what Dallas wants to do on offense. And if he is missing, we have actually confirmed that the Dallas Cowboys are very stagnant on offense with Zeke not in the lineup. Let me say that again. The Dallas Cowboys, not don't appear, don't look, the Dallas Cowboys are extremely stagnant with Ezekiel Elliott not in the lineup. This is the case when you take him out to give him a breather and insert any running back you want into that spot and we will not be averaging or at least getting the average amount of yards per carry that Zeke would get when he gets it in the game. He's almost getting four or five yards per carry. You have to pay that. You know what you look like without that. So whatever Jerry Jones was saying about Zeke who, because a couple of weeks back, uncovered by one of my podcasts, uh, there was a back and forth banter between the media between Jerry Jones and between Ezekiel Elliott as to how important Zeke is to the offense. Jerry runs his mouth like he always does, but at the end of the day, Jerry ain't no fool. And he showed that this morning by making sure Ezekiel Elliott is extremely happy. And guess who was at practice, dressed, ready to rock and roll, not too long after the ink hit the paper, Zeke. In practice, running drills with the team, preparing for week one against the Giants. So congratulations to all parties involved. What what needed to happen, happened. I don't really agree with the fact that we had to pay Zeke right now, but I'm glad we did it so that it's something that we're not faced with similar to the Los Angeles Chargers because I think at some point this season, they're going to realize that they cannot move the ball as well as they would like to with Eckler and Justin Jackson at running back for them. They'll be able to do a little bit, but hopefully, knock on wood, for the Chargers, this, this game plan works because I guarantee you if it doesn't and then you go back on your word to say, hey, look, I know we said we was going to talk about uh, the contract negotiations at the end of the season, but we would like to take this opportunity to reopen the discussions. Asterisk at 0-3 in our division. Uh, and we want to hear you out. Is there anything else to that offer, uh, Melvin, that you might want to add to it? So maybe we could come to an agreement. When a team is 0-3 or losing games or not getting the production they should while the guy who can give you all that production you need is holding out the leverage swings back to Mr. Melvin Gordon III maybe I want to predict that this will happen because not just for the sake of seeing the great player on the field and not just because Melvin Gordon III is in my fantasy team I think that Melvin Gordon III doesn't have the leverage but it doesn't mean he never will Look at the Chargers situation. The Chargers are in a division that features the Chiefs, the Raiders, and the Broncos. Now look, if you are going to make the playoffs, what is the number one thing you have to try to do? You've gotta try to win your division because you're automatically in there when you win your division. Now where you are seated depends on how many wins you can generate Included with that division title. But that's the ticket to the playoffs. By far. Guaranteed. Because you don't want to play the wild card game. You don't want to rely on another team to help you out. You just want to win games. And winning games gets you into the postseason. And beating your division to win those games gets you there a lot more easier because you will have a at least one game in the playoffs in your building by winning your division. That's what you are guaranteed. That's what you are guaranteed. So it's already an insurmountable task to do that with the Chiefs in your division. But then you got the Raiders who acquired Antonio Brown, as much of a head case as he is and continuing to be, the Raiders can still put together something unique on offense if given the opportunity. You got the Broncos still trying to figure out who they are, but you don't wanna get in the mix with them because they don't want, you don't want them to figure out who they are on you if you're the Los Angeles Chargers. And then you have the Chargers themselves who are very potent on offense, who looked great last year, but well, that's because you had Melvin Gordon services for most of the year. When you don't have it, what do you look like? It looks like we're about to find out. And if you don't like what you look like, maybe you should pay this guy the money that he's talking about. Now that you have waited to do so, now Zeke's contract his newly acquired contract, which is now the highest for a running back in the NFL in terms of guaranteed money and more than likely in terms of annual average salary, you now will be going back to that table talking about more numbers than you just were discussing just because the market value just shot up. So if Zeke comes back to Dallas and Dallas has a great record with him there, If the Chargers hit the field in the month of September and don't squeeze out a winning record, guess who's going to be back at the table a whole lot sooner than the season's going to be over? The Chargers front office. So this is a gamble by the GM of the Los Angeles Chargers to say, hey, look, despite the surrounding market, we're sticking to our guns. And we're either going to tell Melvin Gordon, look, you're going to sit this season out or you're going to play it. But we're not talking about money till the season's over. Hmm. Very, very dangerous circumstances for the Chargers. And you can't get too far behind in the AFC in terms of wins if you can't already make sure you got what you need to lock down your division. So since getting past the Chiefs is going to be a, a, a fairly gigantic task to do, the next best thing is to generate wins. And you can't exactly do that effectively without a very good run game. Now, you got Austin Eckler, Justin Jackson, very serviceable dudes. Maybe you make a trade during the year to acquire somebody else. But the fact remains, we are now hunkered into a real battle now between Melvin Gordon III and the front office of the Los Angeles Chargers somebody is going to bite first. And they and I want to bet that the Chargers are going to be paying Gordon straight up and down because of the effect a player like that has on his team's offense. You can only go without it for so long. So the negotiations, for the most part, have ceased. But those negotiations, don't be surprised if those negotiations Open up like a, a grocery store window when the Chargers go 0 and 3, 0 and 4, 0 and 5, 1 and 4, 2 and 6, whatever. Like, if they're not winning, considerably winning, or at least 500 and looking better, by the time their bye week, which is week 12, by the way, comes around, they're going to be getting on the phone with Gordon's agent a whole lot sooner than the year 2020, let me be sure, let me assure you all of that, so very interesting things have developed in terms of that, but as we sit right now, Zeke's at practice in the zone with his team, I'm thrilled about that, I'm thrilled that the front office of the Dallas Cowboys have made some very great signings leading up to Zeke, Uh, the podcast I wanted to do earlier this week didn't cover that. But I'm going to cover it now. We signed Jalen Smith, one of the young Lion linebackers that we've got. Leighton Vanderesh is the other one. But we locked Jalen Smith in for an extension of his own. I think he's on a five-year, $65 million contract, and 35 of it was up front. Awesome move to lock in at least one right now of those young Lions because Leighton just started what I believe was last draft, last year, so we've only got a year under his belt. We've got plenty of time to figure out Leighton Vander Esch's contract situation into the future, but make no mistake, locking in Jalen Smith long-term was a great move. Enter Ladell Collins up front, offensive lineman. I want to say left tackle. Uh, phenomenal decision to lock him in long-term. He's got money coming his way. He's not going anywhere for the Dallas Cowboys offensive line. So they lock in Frederick. They lock in Zach Martin. They've they've had Tyron Smith under contract for quite some time, but they may be looking for his replacement because he's getting up there. So the draft may be able to serve that need over the next two or three seasons. But we've got him now, as healthy as we can get him. And... We're just better up front with those four guys secure in the lineup and roster, not going anywhere, and taken care of in terms of their bank accounts. So that bodes well with the offensive line and running back scenario of that Dallas Cowboys team going into the season. Very promising. Hope we're going to see some results for all of the crazy little agent postseason money contract talk. Let's get down to the numbers and the football immediately. So tomorrow, dare I say it, tomorrow, NFL Real Football will be on TV. And we're looking at the Packers taking on the Bears at Soldier Field. Very, very interesting game. Uh, what Packer offense am I going to see? Was the defense of the Bears a fluke last year? I'm going to say no. Why? Khalil. Dot. Mac. Dot. Khalil Mack period makes the Chicago Bears defense the, one of the feared defenses that they have known to be throughout NFL history he is a game changing line killer he will get through take your quarterback soul get the football as well and possibly run that bad boy back He's going to be like the most dangerous triple threat defender most teams will ever see, and unfortunately, Aaron Rodgers, Matthew Stafford, and Kirk Cousins have to see this vicious human being twice a year. Unfortunately, this year the Dallas Cowboys play the Bears. I'm feeling a lot, really, really uncomfortable about that game in December. I think we have that game at home. I might be wrong, but for the most part, doesn't no matter where it is. Khalil Mack is going to be dangerous anywhere we face him. Anywhere he is faced. And he makes that defense promising. The Bears have been grabbing a first-rounder on defense, feared by many, for the last four to six seasons. And you add Khalil Mack to that, now you get to see the potential of what those other first-round defensive stalwarts can do. Because you know, you gotta put two guys in front of Mack. So now, the Roquan Smiths, and everybody else in that defense, the, the Leonard Floyds that have been drafted first-round defenders for the Bears, can they might come to fruition because there's one dude on that defense we have to put two people on, and we're not arguing about this if we're offensive coordinators going into those games. So there it is. Bears-Packers, Thursday night football, first Thursday night game. Ah, man, I'm, I'm not crazy about the Thursday night game. I'm excited for it, yet I don't like the Thursday night game for many, many reasons. For actual health player-related reasons, at the very, very top of my of my thought process on that. If you want to make the game healthier for these guys, don't make them play a short week every week. Like some NFL, every single NFL team is subject to a short week for no reason. That should only be the case for the teams that are playing on Thanksgiving, man. That's it. You should only put those teams through that once. Anybody that has signed up for the Thanksgiving game knows it's coming, so at least some level of preparation can take place when that week falls on the on the franchises involved. Dallas will always have a short week at some point, because they're always gonna play that Thanksgiving Day game at home. So the team that Dallas is Dallas will face is that should be the only Thursday they're worried about on a short week. Every single team in the NFL will play on Thursday night at some point. After playing, in some cases, on Monday night. Extremely deadly. I want to say deadly because you don't know what could happen in a game like that. Like You don't know who you'll lose. You don't know where your focus is going to be. You've already practically been exposed to a, a full NFL game, and it takes a week or longer, in some cases, to recover. So it's like either expand the rosters... Or don't even do this Thursday night thing anymore. Like, I would not be the saddest human being in the world if it went away altogether. Let's just go back to what we used to do. All the football is played on Sunday, one game, Monday night. Go back to that, the world just might be a better place. The game just might be watchable again because it's the rare thing. Finally, the game is on. Finally, it's Sunday. We might go back to that mentality But if we got football games all over the place, it tends to not be as interesting. At least that's just my opinion on that. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. Just my two cents on that. Who knows? Uh, Transitioning to the U.S. Open, just briefly. And I'm not the biggest fan of tennis. I'm not a huge tennis watcher. It's one of those things that falls. It's like a tier of sports television watching I put alongside hockey, alongside golf, kind of like baseball, but postseason baseball I'm willing to watch. We will also get into that soon as well. But hockey, golf, and tennis are just sports that I just can't watch on TV. I just can't watch them on TV. Like, I don't have any excitement into it. Unless you have played these sports, unless you understand the circumstances that can, will, and do happen when these sports are being played on TV and you're 100% into all of that. All oh, more power to you, but I, I like seeing the majors in, in golf and tennis, uh, but I still can't watch a full match. Like, I can't watch a full televised golf round or whatever that is. Like, I look in on it, I check out to see who's playing I might give it five minutes, and then I'm on to something else, man. It's just not exciting enough. Some NBA games just aren't exciting enough either. But I know for a fact some hockey games, some baseball games, golf in general, and tennis in general just aren't watchable TV event games for me. But this U.S. Open that's currently taking place, the 2019 U.S. Open, had a moment I wanted to share that was very, very awesome. It was when Naomi Osaka and Coco Goff. we've been hearing about Coco Goff since Wimbledon, young 15 year old African-American young woman playing her heart out, playing exceptionally well, knocking out very, very top players around the world and eventually being beaten. But just showing us that with a little time, a little work, with a little more commitment, that 15 year old girl in a few years is going to be a problem. In tennis, And she continues to show that. So that much of it I am paying attention to. We saw this with Naomi Osaka years back when she was in the same scenario. Young, 16, 17 years old. Now a seasoned 21-year-old tennis player winning major tournaments and being that force in tennis to be reckoned with. Well, they, those two eventually had a collision course. They say it was the most hyped-up U.S. Open women's match to watch years. Very exciting. Two women of color. Two young women of color uh, finding a way to make tennis exceptionally hyped up and watchable again. I was geeked up by this. Very geeked up by this. Totally missed the tournament altogether. But I couldn't help but notice at the end of the tournament what happened. Ultimately Naomi Osaka defeats Coco Graff. And Coco's 15. Young, 15, works her tail off, just tries to go out there and win. So when winning doesn't happen, the defeat sets in, and you don't know what to do with yourself other than show your emotions. Naomi Osaka took this moment to be an amazing mentor to her and say, hey, look, would you like to do the interview with me? You know, the the post-match interview, which is normally reserved for the winning tennis player, either men's or women's. And she asked her, do you want to do the post-match interview with me? And Coco politely began to decline and say, no, because all I'm going to do is cry. I just, I'm not in my right mind state for that. Thank you for thinking of me, but that's okay. And Naomi Osaka uses it as a teachable moment from her, from Pro, who's been there, down to young amateur pro up up and coming and to tell her, look, it's good for everybody to see how much this means to you. So if you cry, it's okay. If you cry, you show your emotion, it's totally fine because people are going to get the wrong idea about why you're here. And if they see your emotion, see how much this means to you, you will thank yourself so much later on. You will see The value of it in yourself and people who don't understand what you are about will see how much this means to you as well. So emotions and crying and all of that is good for sports because people don't know how hard you work. They just see you here. People don't know the sacrifices your parents made, your families make to to, to get you here. So this is a moment we can tell everybody about it. We can tell everybody, I remember when your family... And I crossed paths at the the U.S. tennis training centers so that we could bust our tails and work as hard as we could to be here. She shared that moment with the crowd. She gave Coco Gauff a moment for everybody to get to know who she really was and how much the game means to her at that young age. It was such a moment that will probably give birth to even more young African-American or young Women of color tennis players coming up, who don't really, who just think all oh, we have to look up to is Serena Williams. No, 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 not anymore. Serena paved the way for these girls. These girls just, just cont- took the torch and ran with it, and set so many hearts on fire in a positive way by what they did. And I just wanted to share that with y'all because I know it was seen all over the internet, all over social media. And it's a touching moment because for all y'all that's got daughters who look to, to do something or who look to be someone, that's just a great example of it's okay to show your emotions. It's okay to be human at a moment where all you wanted to do was be on top of the world and it doesn't always happen for all of us. It doesn't always happen, you know, for everybody. You could work as hard as you can You put everything you can into it, the time, the money, the energy, whatever. But sometimes you just fall short and it's okay to show the world that when you fell short, it hurts you. It meant something to you to achieve a goal and you didn't achieve it, but you're just gonna go back to the drawing board. You're gonna try it again. This wasn't the last US Open. It wasn't the last Wimbledon. This girl may very well go on next summer and compete for a gold medal. And after the experiences she has recently had with taking losses at a 15-year-old age where she's on the world scene playing at that, that's a triumph in itself if you really want to look at it from terms of that. But for her to take that opportunity and show her emotion and and still be human in front of all of us, it's going to be a moment in sports we appreciate for years to come. At least I want to believe and hope we do. Because it was that moment right there that, that made me look at my daughter and say, hey, look, you've got an opportunity to do whatever you want. And if you fail, it's okay. If you don't achieve your goals, it's okay. But don't toss the goals out because you didn't do it. Showing your heart, showing your emotions, showing your tears means it meant something to you to try to get this far. Don't stop. Keep going. One day... Gonna push through, and that's what I took from that, and that's why it was great for me. So the U.S. Open continues. I believe it should be ending pretty soon. Uh, I'll check back with y'all. Let y'all know the champions or any other developments that happen with that. But it was just great to see that moment, and I wanted to pass that along. To anybody who may have just might have missed it, um, baseball's taking shape. Uh, it looks like a little bit of the division matches have begun to, or the division competition. The division races is the rather the best word I should say have kind of slipped away. The Indians don't the Indians might be losing their grip on this, and it might be all twins taking a hold of the AL Central. Um, for the most part, the rest of it's spoken for. The Diamondbacks here locally, as I always mention, I want to see them do well. I want to see them do some great things. I think when they beat the Dodgers, it always makes me happy. And they beat the Dodgers in a series over the weekend, absolutely stunning, you know, beat the boys that you you jump in our pool, we're going to get you. And it's something that we'll never be able to forget about. If you a diehard Diamondbacks fan, somebody jumps in your pool and celebrates, you you better let that team have it every time they take the field, every time they take the field. But it is what it is, and so we go forth. The NFL returns this weekend. College football is back. And my two teams that I like to follow did a phenomenal job. Before the podcast ends today, I just wanted to throw their names in there. It's going to be a big podcast, a lot to talk about, because a lot of sports has happened since I last left you. But here we are with football in full swing. Uh, Briefly, a ranked... SEC team by the name of Tennessee fell in its opening day game to Georgia State. Am I looking to Georgia State? I wasn't on, I knew Georgia State had a program, but I remember when it was born because Sports Illustrated came out with an article about this. And now look at how far we've come if we're Georgia State. Great job, Georgia State for sticking to your program's fundamentals and getting the crown jewel victory that you probably have been seeking for quite some time that validates that program in more ways than we will all ever know. Transitioning to the volunteers. What is wrong with you? You can't beat Georgia State. You didn't even cover. You obviously didn't cover because you lost. But you were supposed to blow this team out by 25. Everybody that had to play a team, every major team that had to play a smaller school counterpart did its job. Uh, where was you at? Did you volunteer to lose? I think that's what might have happened. The Tennessee Volunteers volunteered to take that L. It's exactly what they did. Uh, my teams, ASU and Iowa Hawkeyes, did their job. Iowa... Played the University of Miami, Ohio. Gave them all, and it was a good game from the score. But they ended up ultimately prevailing, I believe 38-20. And they're ready to sort of get into the swing of the season. They know what they've got. But in particular, today's podcast, I wanted to zoom in a little tighter on ASU. Because for the first time in a long time, a true freshman is starting at quarterback. And the true freshman is a young kid from Cajon Cali and he is lights out. Jalen Daniels Kid's about 6'4 I believe 6'4 maybe under 200 pounds uh, but put up extraordinarily phenomenal numbers in high school. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me driving but those numbers uh, were in the 170 touchdown range and 25 interceptions range over the four years of high school. He threw, like, almost 15,000 yards, threw 170, almost 200 touchdowns, and only 25 picks. He also ran almost 4,000 yards, almost averaged 1,000 yards rushing a season on the ground and probably another 20 touchdowns rushing him. This dude had numbers, had skills, He put his stuff on display, and I know it was Kent State. But ASU went out there and handled business with Jalen Daniels, with Edo Benjamin, and with Brandon Ayak at wide receiver. I think I pronounced his name miserably incorrectly, but it's all right. At some point in the season, we all going to get that last name right because that dude looked really good. So ASU is off to the races. Sacramento State this Saturday – I'm not sure who Iowa plays, but Sacramento State is who the ASU takes on. And uh, their big game follows after that against Michigan State. A lot of teams just came out nonchalantly destroyed that small school for the first week of college football. Routinely, Ohio State did its job. Oklahoma did its job. Uh, Notre Dame should have beat Louisville. I'll check back with y'all tomorrow on that. Uh, But To end it all, man, it's so good to have football back, isn't it? So great to just have a running highlight reel of great football on, fresh again. So, we've got quite a bit to discuss. Friday, I'll be back. I'm going to take another break. I'll be back Friday to discuss uh, the Bears Packers game and any critical matchups going into the weekend. For Saturday football, I'm gonna have my football game a little tighter. I'm kind of rusty at my at my podcast. I will admit it. I am slacking on my pimping. Y'all are right. I won't do it to you again. But I just wanted to jump on here and throw a little bit of love out, and I think I have accomplished that. So check for me Friday when we will talk about more baseball. I will have your U.S. Open men's and women's winners. Because by now, as this recording takes place, you probably know who they are already. But I want to discuss them. So it's my turn to talk about it a little bit. Or mine. So we'll do it like that. We'll definitely do it that way. But we'll talk about that. We'll go over that. We'll we'll, we'll sort of lock in some matchups I like. I'm going to play the college football betting game a little bit tighter this year. So I want to make sure wholeheartedly that I'm bringing my A game this year on that. So we're going to talk some matchups on college. We'll talk some matchups for Sunday NFL football. Last-minute fantasy stuff. And uh, round it up like that. It's your man T. Brown. Talk to you all Friday. It's been another edition of Ride Home Sports Talk with who else? Your man T. Brown. I will holler at you all later. Y'all take care.